It is week two in the Canadian Football League. Welcome to CFL Weekly. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening across the TSN radio network right here from the beautiful TSN 1050 studios in Toronto. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at AndyMC81, as well as on Instagram at AndyMCSports, and watch live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive, and join the conversation, though. Nice show for you today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start it off, uh, well, in about, about 12, 15 minutes' time. We're going to go out west to chat with CFL on TSN Insider Farhan Lalji, then... The Eastern look, Toronto Argonauts starting up their season. We'll have play-by-play voice of the Argos, Mike Hogan, as it will be the old-school rivalry. Labor Day come early, Argos and Ticats starting that up. So we'll talk with Hoagie about uh, that. Swing around the East, of course, get to the big storylines with Zach Caleros being put on the six-game injured list after the headshot by Simone Lawrence, his suspension. And we'll also get into some CFL Fantasy. You guys asked for it, and you're getting it, and you're responding big time on our, our DraftKings CFL contests are completely filled. And so we're going to try to open up more slots there, but completely filled. We have the CFL Weekly one there. We have the TSN.ca CFL Fantasy game as well. You can join in the league on that point. And, uh, man, we're going to talk with Ben Kramer from Daily Roto and CFL.ca on that. So let's get, you know what, let's get to some news and notes right away. Let's go. First down. All right. And speaking of, and we'll talk a little bit more about this with Farhan Lalji, but this was one of the biggest stories of week two. If you haven't seen the video, it's on tsn.ca. Calero slides, gives himself up. Simone Lawrence from the Ticats. Boom. Headshot. Suspension. Caleros is out. Farhan Lalji uh, speaks about the suspension in that the league deemed it reckless. Well, I think the biggest thing is the league viewed this play as reckless and dangerous. They also viewed it as unnecessary and avoidable. Clearly, Zach Caleros had given himself up on the play, and the belief is that Simone Lawrence could have held up and avoided that contact. And this comes on the heels of really a contentious collective bargaining process, and the fact that both sides agree that health and safety should be the number one priority. As recently as the day before this game, the league issued a memorandum talking about this type of play. And the CFL also acknowledges that Simone Lawrence is not a repeat offender, unlike Kyrie say bear a year ago who was a repeat offender and received a two-game suspension but the league wants to change the standard you saw how it is affected in terms of penalties in game that penalty could now be a 25 yard enforcement not just 15 yards and the players helped with that the league believes that supplemental discipline should also be reflective of that they need to move it forward and get more aggressive with these types of plays to get them out of the game we know simone lawrence has some options uh, what is the next step for him in terms of an appeal Well, we do know that on Monday, discussions did take place between Lawrence and the CFLPA about a possible appeal. And the league has put some new mechanisms in place around this coming out of the last CBA. There are new arbitrators in place. There's also an expedited arbitrator that can deal with these in short order. You don't want to get another situation like they had coming out of last year's Grey Cup with Red Blacks defensive back Jonathan Rose, who ultimately didn't serve a suspension. But if Lawrence really wants to play this Saturday against Toronto, what he needs to do is wait until the end of the day on Thursday or early Friday to file the appeal then there'll likely be a stay before it gets ruled on the following week. Now, he does technically have 365 days to appeal, so he could serve the two games of the suspension and then decide to, to appeal after the fact, in which case he could potentially, with a victory, get his two game checks back, and while the league would get its pound of flesh in the form of a suspension, it would still set a dangerous precedent on all future situations like this. 
That was a Farhanology who we'll be hearing from live from out west a little bit later on in the show. So Simone Lawrence looks like one way or another is going to be out. When I, when I saw the hit, when you watch in full speed, it's uh, always much tougher to gauge intent than when you slow it down in super slow-mo. But players are responsible for their own bodies. And it was a hard hit to a guy, unfortunately for poor Zach Caleros, who keeps getting hurt, keeps getting concussions, and you have to hope that he comes out of this okay. Another bad break for Caleros. Let's move on. Second down. All right. Now, this was an, this was an interesting game. You have, from the Ottawa Redblacks, Trevor Harris is now out west. He's with the Edmonton Eskimos. We'll talk about his first week out there. My goodness. But the Red Blacks come back with Dominique Davis. Okay? Now, this is a great cup rematch versus the Calgary Stampeders. This was not a pretty outing for Davis, but they got the job done. They won. 32-28 over the Stampeders, who called the game Chris Cuthbert and Glenn Suter on TSN. They break it down. What an opener at McMahon Stadium where the Stampeders had won seven consecutive and where the Ottawa Red Blacks had never won until this game. And they didn't lead in the game until under 90 seconds to play. Dominic Davis in his first start of 2019 as the number one man looked good, looked bad, and at least we know he's resilient. Well, that that's the story tonight because Dominic Davis, in his first start as the guy in Ottawa, replacing Trevor Harris. I know Ottawa fans were curious. This was his very first pass intercepted by Trey Roberson, but he wasn't done there. The bad part was one that one wasn't his fault, but the other three were. Three interceptions, one for a touchdown by Brandon Smith. That should rattle a young starter. I mean, a guy in his first start as the guy, Rick Campbell said he was going to be the number one coming out of training camp, and, and it wasn't a rotation situation. So Dominic Davis should have been rattled at that point, but he wasn't. He bounced back. No, it was impressive to watch this team come back, led by a guy that was described as calm, cool, and collected, and we saw that. Well, there was under two minutes to go when they were down in the football game when Dominic Davis went back to work, and this is where it was just remarkable that that calm demeanor took over. He makes a real difficult throw, rolling to his left in the final drive for the Ottawa Red Blacks and completes that one, then hits Sinopoli with ice in his veins over the middle, and this young starter finishes the drive, takes a four-point lead after the extra point with diving across the goal line on the zone read play. So, again, that, that should rattle a kid with four interceptions, one for a touchdown. It didn't. He had the game-winning drive in his back pocket. What a performance by Dominic Davis. He counters the four interceptions with three touchdown runs. Moses Madu was terrific with 112 yards. So, if you had questions about the Ottawa Red Blacks, some of them were answered because not many teams, in fact, this is the first time since 2012 that anyone has come in here and beaten the Stampede at McMahon before Labor Day. How about that little nugget at the end from Chris Cuthbert? First time someone's come into McMahon in Calgary and beat the Stamps before Labor Day. That's crazy, and they did it. The Red Blacks in the most unconventional way. Obviously not sustainable. Dominic Davis is throwing two, three interceptions a game. I don't care how many he's running in. you got to go in a different direction. This is this Ottawa team, this is kind of going to be, to me, the, the hinge on whether the Hamilton Ticats just run away with this division or if Ottawa can kind of hodgepodge something together and see what they can do with Davis in whatever combination of offense they do. Let's move on. 
Third down. All right, now, the power rankings. We get back to this, our favorite, the CFL on TSN debate. Which player had the best debut with their new team in 2019? Rod Smith leads us off. Our first installment of 2019 of the 7-Eleven Power Rankings will do it weekly with Henry Burris, Matt Dunnigan, and Milt Stiegel. Every week we're going to pick a subject, and this one is with all the player movement in the offseason, who had the best week one of players with new teams? And Milt's pretty hard to argue with the top, the way that combination of Trevor Harris and Ricky Collins Jr. went for Edmonton. Yeah, those two guys lit it up, but the one player that stands out to me is Jeff Hack. You think about it, he's getting his opportunity to start. He's replacing Taylor Loeffler, who went to Montreal, who I think should also be on his list with 10 tackles but he did a great job and Mike Riley's on here but he's at the bottom and he's not going to be happy about that but those two interceptions definitely cost him. No, I'm just going to focus right at the top of Trevor Harris. I mean he, what he did and the pressure was on him taking over from Mike Riley and Edmonton putting his stamp in that organization one that had a lot of turnover in the offseason and then what Ricky Collins was able to be on the back end of yeah. a lot of those throws for Man. buck 75 absolutely phenomenal performance by the goes and Dylan Wynn I think he's underrated at the defensive tackle position now for the Hamlin Tiger Cats. Really big game for him. Five tackles in the middle, big body in there, and he got a sack two to boot, so he's well-deserving to be on that board. Well, when it comes to movement, they always talk about how sometimes the grass isn't greener on, other, on the other side. Well, for a guy I know very well, William Powell, mm. he proved that, hey, it can be, yeah. and it is. He's playing in Saskatchewan. Put up over 100 yards rushing, and a solid game for him in the loss to Hamilton. But again, for William Powell, hey, the pressure's going to be on his shoulders as, of course, with Zach Caleros going down, they're going to need him to tote the rock to carry this team moving forward. But also, Lamar Durant. He's a guy who was wow, overshadowed yeah. by some uh, some great receivers in Calgary, but now he proved to be the go-to guy he left, he left for Mike there. Riley, he left and he put up 75 yards yeah. and touchdown. Yeah, the BC Lions left some out there. Yeah. Lamar, he's going to have to go back and look at it because his game could have been way out there. Yeah. Well, this yeah. leads to an interesting story for Week 2, and uh, the two people involved may not want to hear about it, but it's unmistakable with the BC going to Edmonton, mm. number one in that list wow. and number seven. Trevor Harris replacing Mike Riley and just through one week, but did an awfully good job of it for the Eskimos against the Alouettes. Riley making his return for week two in the CFL. And that is a huge storyline. Mike Riley coming back. How about Trevor Harris, the Shaw CFL top performers of the week? Trevor Harris, CJ Gable, and Andrew Harris. So a couple of Harris's there on the CFL top performers. Like you look at what Trevor Harris did. The guys talked about it. 78% completion. The ceiling for Trevor Harris. I feel like I've said this the past two years. When that guy is on, Trevor Harris has the ability to be one of, if not the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. The problem has always been with Trevor Harris, consistency and staying healthy. That is a great start. We'll see if that can continue. But that's out west. We're going east. The Toronto Argos get on the football field for the first time in 2019 regular season play. And they'll play against their arch-rival Hamilton Ticats. We'll talk about that matchup, the Argos season as a whole, and the east with Mike Hogan, play-by-play guy for the Toronto Argonauts. That is next here on CFL Weekly. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca.
Welcome back, CFL Weekly, rolling along here on TSN Radio across Canada from the TSN 1050 studio in Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you're getting us on Twitter at AndyMC81. You can watch behind the scenes live on twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. And folks, as you know, we're delivered by Domino's. Weather's great. It's hot outside. You don't want to turn on that oven. Come on, Domino's Pizza. Get a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. How about adding in some cheesy bread, boneless chicken, marbled cookie brownie for dessert? How many years have I been telling you about the marble cookie brownie for dessert. It's great. Hot, cold, whatever. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. That is dominoes.ca. Farhan Lodge, CFL and TSN Insider to join us a little bit later on, as well as some fantasy CFL tips and talk from Ben Kramer of Daily Roto and CFL.ca. But first, the play-by-play voice of your Toronto Argonauts as they get ready. Labor Day come early to take on the Hamilton Ticats. It's Mr. Mike Hogan. Hoagie, how the heck are you, sir? I am fine, Andrew. How are you? I am well. Uh, listen, hey, Argo's got to sit back and watch the rest of the league kick it off in week one. Now it's their turn. I want to start with the quarterback situation because it's pretty much the same as a year ago, except there is definitely no Ricky Ray. So there's no kind of distraction or what-ifs at the quarterback position. It's... It's Franklin's team, and you got a new head coach. What should Argos fans and, and really people watching the East, what should their expectations be at the quarterback position this year? Well, I think you'll see better quarterbacking. I mean, last year, Ricky Ray got hurt in week number two, and essentially he took the majority of snaps in training camp, right, with the first right. unit. So whether it be James Franklin, who was then replaced by McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who was then replaced by James Franklin, um, they, didn't, they, they were kind of behind the ball when they started. This year, they've had the full camp, first and second team snaps. Uh, James Franklin has, for the most part, worked with the ones. Um, and he's ready to go. And he's got an offense now. This is probably one of the more important changes in the league is that the Mark Pressman slash Scott Milanovich offense, which was really successful here with Ricky Ray running it. I mean, it was an offense that was perfect for Ricky. Um, that's gone. It's not the dink and dunk stuff. It's not that high percentage stuff you're going to see if, you know, what we saw in camp and what we saw in the two preseason games is any indication you're going to see this team go vertical a lot more, which uh, is a lot more fun for the fans in the stands, for one thing, and it's a lot more fun for the guys on offense. Guys want to go deep. But when right. you've got Darrell Walker and S.J. Green and Armani Edwards among the receiving core and Chandler Worthy, should he get on the field, that's, uh, that's not a bad thing because those guys can all fly. Is this going to be set up for success for Franklin? I, I, I'd have to think he's, as you said, Players like to go deep, right? Offense is sexy. Yeah. You like to air it out. Is this style of offense, and again, like you said, and what people may not know is it's when you're in a CFL training camp, it is the starter taking everything, and the, the backups are doing like ghost reps. So that is a big deal that James Franklin is getting the reps this offseason. Is, is he set up for, for success as far as his style of play in that offense? I really do think so. I mean, don't forget a year ago uh, when the Argonauts made the trade in December, a week or two after winning the Great Cup, and then subsequently signed James Franklin before he got to free agency, everybody was looking at James Franklin and saying, nope, there's the next one. There's the next really good quarterback in this league. And the marriage between Franklin and Trespin was not good. Um, they never clicked as people. They never clicked in the offense. And it just it didn't work. And now with James Franklin coming back, he's got some more confidence. Uh, it's an offense that suits him. Jacques Chapdelaine is the new 
offensive coordinator who has a great track record in the Canadian Football League. He's, he's been around the league a long time. And I think this is a better marriage. And we'll see how it pans out. And it also doesn't have hurt when you have Darrell Walker added to the lineup. Somebody who can take the top off the defense. And now S.J. Green is going to see very few far, uh, you know, the, the double teams will be few and far between. And Armani Edwards is never going to see a double team. So um, this, this has the makings of a pretty darn good offense. In conversation with Mike Hogan, play-by-play voice of the Toronto Argonauts on Twitter at Mike Hogan Argos. Okay, let's, let's talk about the opponent here, Hoagie. It's always Oof. fun. I, I know it's always fun when the Thai Cats are coming, right? That, it's Not always a great matchup. It's a, no, they're, they're, I think they were black and yellow. I don't know. Mm. Something. They're in town. This is a team where we saw Jeremiah Masoli, all kidding aside, my goodness, Hoagie, last year, 5,000-plus yards. Yeah. Brandon Banks, an absolute monster. They're back healthy. They, got, they have a new head coach as well. And this team, at least on paper to start the year, is the one to beat in the East. What should we expect out of Hamilton? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to wish the Ticats a happy 20th anniversary between Grey Cups. I think, I think oh. I'd like to start with that one. <laughs> Just That's cool. I'm going a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess when you look at it, sure. I mean, they've, they've got uh, most of the guys back from a year ago. Masoli was dynamite last year. Speedy B came off the scrap heap, right? I think most people thought he was done, or at least a great portion of analysts thought he was done. Uh, he was dynamite last year. Um, you know, they, they'll be flying around. Um, I think everybody who's ever met Orlando Steinauer loves the guy, and, you know, I, I, I'm pulling for him to do well, except for three times in the regular season, and any time the Argos meet right. the Cats in the playoffs. Um, he's a good coach. He's going he's gonna to do some great things there, and um, I'm really happy that the Ticats are going to play well this year. I'm really happy that the Argonauts are going to play better this year because there's nothing better in Southern Ontario than seeing a playoff team between those two. And I know Ottawa and Montreal aren't going to roll over and say, hey, are you kidding? I mean, look what, look what Ottawa did in week one. Yeah. But, boy, would I love to see uh, those two teams be back atop the East Division and get a couple of playoff games. I think it would be great, uh, great over the next few years if we could see two or three playoff matchups between uh, Ottawa, sort of between uh, Hamilton and, uh, and the Argos. So, yeah, I, th- I understand why people say that uh, – uh, that the Ticats are the favorites going in, but I know there are a lot of people in Ottawa and a lot of people in Toronto who are saying, good, we don't mind sitting in the lead. Right, right. Well, let's talk big picture here in the East, Hoagie, and the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, I think if you were to map out, you get the win, you probably would like to have gone about it a different way, ideally, and it certainly is not sustainable for your quarterback to throw two, three interceptions and run in three. This is a team that I think really is going to hinge on on how how this East looks, because you can make an argument that they're going to be much worse than last year. You can make an argument a young quarterback's going to grow into the role. How do you see this Ottawa Red Blacks team working out when it comes into the big picture in the East Division? I think anybody who looked at this before the season said, okay, the defense is going to be ahead of the offense. Right. No question about that because of the changes they made on the offensive side of the football. It's, it's tough to lose a guy like Trevor Harris and have the new quarterback, whoever he may be, come in and, and not skip a beat. Trevor's been dynamite in that offense. Henry before him was dynamite in that offense uh, with that team. So, I mean, now you've got a couple of new guys coming in, trying to get their feet wet, and was, was the debut uh, a good one? For the most part, no. But you can sell to your team pretty quickly that, hey, we didn't do very much on offense and still went into Calgary and won. We turned the ball over a lot and still went into Calgary and won. So, you know, that's that's a really good message for Ottawa getting out of the gate. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what to think of Montreal. They came back. 
uh, late, but gave up a ton on uh, on defense. And you know, I don't know how many how you look at all the points he scored late in that football game and, and say, you know, is that the real Montreal offense? Is that what we're going to see over the course of the season? I don't know. I think there's a question mark. I think the offense in Ottawa is a question mark. I think people outside of Toronto can look at both sides of the ball and say, what's it, what, what's, what are we going to see out of Toronto? We know they're going to be better than they were a year ago, but how much better? Are they going to be than than a year ago? And I, I know that us, uh, uh, those of us who work in the organization, think a pretty good team here, and we don't mind, you know, kind of sitting back and letting people take us for granted. Yeah, be the sleeper, right? That's fine. That that that's a, a great thing. Cool with that. And, and Hoagie, a, a quick note: you mentioned Trevor Harrison. You know, we both know him well, and uh, uh, you've mentioned numerous times on these airwaves what a great guy he is, what a, a student yep. of the game. Is that not special? He goes out to Edmonton, is one of the three shop play, top performers of the week. That's pretty cool to see from a, a legit good dude. Yeah, I was really happy for Trevor. You know, you you, you kind of wonder how things are going to mesh when a, a person gets a new, new offense, and sometimes it doesn't work. Like it didn't last year for for Trestman and Franklin for whatever reason, and it looks like so far so good. It's one game, mind you, and it's against the team that I think most people. Uh, that I've read, uh, the analyst think is is kind of the weak sister this year. Although, again, I'm sure the Alouettes are saying, "Good, let let's sit in the weeds as well." Um, but let's see what he can continue to do. But for Trevor, uh, I'm happy for him that he was able to come out and uh, and have the you know the, the kind of game he did in the opener. And selfishly, the fact that he did it against a team in the East, um, everybody in Argo Land is pretty happy about that. It helps. So, Hoagie, we'll leave you on this note, man. Four o'clock Saturday afternoon. It's it's almost summertime. It's June. The Thai Cats are in town. BMO Field, no better place to be in the city. Now, hey, the Raptors parade is out of the way. The Blue Jays stink. Come watch some Argos football, right? Five dollar beers, baby. Shipyards open a couple of hours before the game. Uh, we got Ricky uh, Ricky Ray's going to be there to sign some autographs, and we're going to honor him before the game. Darrell Walker bobbleheads to the first seven thousand nice. fans that get through the gate. So. Uh, we're going to do this right this year, and uh, it's a cheap ticket and a great day, and the weather's going to cooperate, so uh, it's going to be a great day. So come on down and watch watch the uh, Argonauts beat the Ticats. There he calling his shot in the 20th anniversary. Nice little side dig there, buddy. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary, <laughs> happy anniversary. Hoagie, always a pleasure, man. We'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Andy. Thanks, man. All right, there he goes. Mike Hogan, play-by-play, voice of the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, we'll have that game, I believe, here on TSN 1050, 4 o'clock kickoff against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We're going to go out west next. CFL on TSN insider Farhan Lalji. There are a plethora, that's my big word of the day, plethora of storylines in the West. New quarterback in Edmonton. C.J. Gable running back also getting a performer of the week. How about the B.C. Lions? The, the Rough Riders are without a quarterback. Farhan Lalji stops by next on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. To CFL Weekly as we get set for week two across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara coming to you from the TSN 1050 studios in Toronto. Follow on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMCSports. And hey, watch behind the scenes live here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. You can jump into the chat room, get your question asked there. We got a guy from the, the USA, ShockFanatic09, watching uh, the show here and, and listening online as well. 
at TSN1050.ca, who's a big CFL fan. With the exposure on ESPN, it's CFL's growing all across North America. And the West Division is, I think, coming into this week just littered with fascinating storylines. Let's get to my next guest, CFL on TSN Insider from out west, coming to you via the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Get a large four-topping pizza for just twelve ninety-nine. Folks, check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca, Domino's.ca. It's Farhan Laji. Farhan, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no problem. Let's begin with this. And you did some uh, video work on this uh, as well, and we're on top of it on Twitter and everything. The Simone Lawrence suspension on the headshot to Zach Caleros. For those who haven't seen it, it's all over tsn.ca. Uh, he slid, and the hit came. Simone Lawrence headshot. Caleros out. He's on the six-game list. Two games given to Simone Lawrence. In your opinion, Farhan, is that just right? Is that the right amount? Too little? Or should he have gotten more? I think it's totally the right amount. And, and I say that, like, I know everyone else wants to look at this and be flippant about it. Oh, that's nothing. It's only two games. It should be six games. Well, if you were to put this out over an NHL season, you know, that's the equivalent of a 10-game suspension. Right, Which yeah. would be significant if we were looking at it in NHL terms. Also consider the fact that in, in any football league, the NFL or the CFL, no one's ever been given a suspension of more than, 10 ga- or more than two games for an on-field hit, right? I mean... You know, we look. I remember a couple, or in 2012, we had the situation with Khalif Mitchell where he got two games for the arm bar. You know, that wasn't a hit. It was kind of an intent to injure moment. Last year, you had Kyrie Saber who got two games. Consider that he got two games and was a repeat offender. So in Simone Lawrence's case, he's never been disciplined at all for this kind of thing. So theoretically, if you're going to give two games to a non-repeat offender, you are pushing the envelope forward on what, you know, what, type of supplementary discipline you're going with. So I think it's strong relative to what's happened in the past, and it shows where they're going in the future. And, and again, I know people will just look at the number two and put it in the wrong context and think it's nothing. But if you think about what's happened before and what the hockey equivalent would be, it's pretty sizable. Right. And Farhan, what we have to remember, too, is when you watch the play, in full speed. It is a much different conversation than when you put it in super slow-mo. And listen, Simone Lawrence and every player are responsible for their body. You cannot have headshots. You cannot have... And you feel bad for poor Zach Caleros, right? He's trying to rebuild and another setback for the guy. But we have to remember, at full motion, at full speed... It's it's not as easy a call as like oh my when you put it in slow motion like oh look at that look at that headshot it's a little bit different when it happens in real time isn't it? Well, it is you know and so you kind of you do unfortunately have to break it down a little bit oh, totally. slow motion to know exactly where he could have pulled up right so like I've seen a still a still shot of Calaris beginning the slide and you can see his feet are out in front of his body and Simone's five yards away and there's another Ticat defender uh, the name escapes me right now but. That other Ticat defender was in a low forward-leaning position like he was about to go into the tackle, and Simone's up, right? Like, it almost looks like he could have already held up right at that moment, and this other player somehow got out of the contact, and Simone didn't, right? So, yeah. you know, five yards, even though it's slow-mo when the player is up and has dropped his shoulders or knees to brace for contact in that moment. And, and again, like, look, a, a professional football player can close a five-yard gap in – a split second, right? So, so we get it that you know it's not like you and I trying to run five yards, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, if you saw his body posture at that moment, uh, you know, and just seeing similar types of hits, he did have time. This was avoidable. In conversation with Farhan Lalji, TSN Insider for the Canadian Football League, and on Twitter at Farhan Lalji, TSN. Okay, so poor Zach Caleros. 
He's out. That means a decision had to be made, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going with Cody Fajardo. And this is obviously not ideal. You don't want to lose your your starting quarterback. But for someone with Cody Fajardo, who had a bit of a, a little cup of coffee as, as far as a starting experience, what do you feel of the loss of Caleros, who honestly wasn't lighting the league on fire beforehand? What does this do for the Riders' chance as far as a, a playoff berth and, and, and really staying not falling too far behind early in the season? Well, I mean, I do think it hurts their chances because rightly or wrongly, the coaching staff did believe in Zach Caleros and were probably willing to, as the season progressed, let him do more than, you know, certainly what they allowed Brandon Bridge to do last year, which was nothing other than screens and hitch passes, right? And I I know that Caleros didn't, or sorry, that Fajardo didn't last, right? They put in the third-string quarterback for for almost half the remaining time in that game and, you know, just to see what he could do. Um, that offense is a struggle. There's no question about it, right? And their defense isn't as good without Willie Jefferson, right? So, I mean, I know they've got Micah Johnson in, but, you know, there are some other areas where, yeah, I'm not saying it's worse, but it's not better than what it was a year ago. So um, I, I think the riders are in tough because, you know, Cody Fajardo is not a proven player. Um, you know, the, the, the youngster certainly isn't as well. And Brian Bennett, they just signed. Again, not a proven player. So I don't know that, Stephen McAdoo, the offensive coordinator, is going to give any of them the opportunity to try and do more and show that they can play the game. He's just going to do what he's always done and just don't allow them to lose. Whereas I think with Zach Caleros, if he had had four or five games of health and they would have got past thinking about concussions, they probably would have tried to let him do a little bit more, right? So I think it's, um, it, it's, it's going to be tough for Saskatchewan. They made a big play in the offseason for Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, they, and they were really close. I don't think people realized just how close the riders were to landing bow and, and he didn't come. And then you got to look around and say, what's left? And what's left was, okay, let's try to roll the dice with Zach again and see if he can stay healthy and resurrect. So it's, it's a tough, tough situation for Saskatchewan. And I can't see them, you know, being better than a 500 football team as a result. Right. And, and Farhan, let's move on to the BC Lions here. I said there's a lot of storylines out West. You have Mike Riley, who we're going to, we're going to be talking CFL fantasy in the next segment. Just your, t- your CFL fantasy darling. Plug in Mike Riley and forget about it. New home with the BC Lions. He's heading in this week back to face his old team in the Edmonton Eskimos. How surprised were you? He put up 324 yards, but a TD and a couple interceptions in the debut versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in that loss. What should we expect out of Riley as a BC line? And really, I guess that team as a whole. Well, you know, I, I do believe that offense is going to be really, really good. And it showed flashes of it in the last game, but it also showed flashes of there's just they're just a little off in some areas because of the newness, right? I mean, if you look at... You know, the first Deron Carter interception, he comes out of his break expecting the ball and, and pulled up for a second. You can see how his hands, he came out of it expecting the ball to be right there. Mike tried to lead him a little more. There was a play deep down the middle on a post route later to Lamar Durant where Lamar's running it skinny and Mike's trying to put it inside and bring him in farther, right? And you lose the ball in the tracking. So uh, those types of moments, um, you know, uh, they they didn't read the play the same on the second interception. There was another play where... I want to say it was Burnham and um, Shaq Johnson that were right on top of each other. Those little things are indicative of a team still getting comfortable with one another, but I, I do believe they're close. The offensive line held up really well, and if they can commit to a balanced running game, you know, I, I really think that offense could be really, really special. Like They were an average 325 yards of passing, right? So um, I do believe they will live up to the expectations on the offensive side of the ball, 
and they're going to need to because it's an average group on the defensive side. In conversation with Farhan Lalji from TSN, a CFL insider. So Farhan, if we have the BC Lions back and are going to be contenders and we put Saskatchewan at the bottom of the rankings for now in the West, boy, this is going to be a fun race on paper anyway, right? Like, win it. like You can make an argument for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Edmonton Eskimos, the Stamps, and the Lions all to, to make a run and win this division. Do you have a, a favorite in the clubhouse coming in after week one? Well, you know, I... I think Winnipeg only because of the consistency, right? And, and you know, yeah. you looked at the last game. What was the big thing that happened in the last game? Well, Winnipeg ran the ball, even with three offensive linemen that were new, and they didn't turn it over once. And that is the Paul Lapolese, Matt Nichols formula, right? So uh, the, of all the teams, they've had the least amount of change. They've had a couple changes in their secondary, you know, uh, and we mentioned the changes to the, to the offensive line. But generally speaking, that's going to carry them. Their entire coaching staff has stayed the same, which you can't say about anybody else, right? So um, I think that gives them the, the edge. Uh, I do believe it's an offensive league first, which means, in my opinion, the Lions are going to be number two on that list. Um, whereas, you know, Calgary's had so much change offensively. I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell is, is awesome, and he'll, he'll be able to elevate them and allow them to score some points as well, right? So, like, they're not going to be – they're not going to drop offensively. I, I still think they're, they're capable, but they're just not as explosive in the receiving core. And their defense without Singleton and Johnson, you know, and, and a number of DBs is going to take a bit of a step back. There's no way around that. Um, and, you know, Edmonton will see, right? I mean, it was a good start. Trevor Harris had a great game, almost 450 yards. But you're facing Montreal and a defensive coordinator that's still learning the Canadian game. So I think it's going to get a lot tougher for Edmonton going forward. And those yards won't be as easy to come by. But, you know, it's certainly a good start for them as well. But, boy, it's wide open. And, you know, I do think Saskatchewan, because of the quarterback situation, probably finishes last. But I think with the rest of them, you could flip a coin. Farhan, last one for you here. Comes on uh, twitch.tv slash Andy Mac live from shockfanatic09. Says, make sure to ask Farhan if he's tried that outrageous burger from BC Place. I think we saw, <laughs> was, it, was it Dwayne Ford who was eating it before, uh, last week? And it, oh, it, what's Dwayne that, the quadruple it. Decker thing? Yeah, and you know, if you saw the video of it, as I said before, like if someone's going to give you a burger like that, which is essentially a contest, right? You go to a place, eat this crazy burger, and it's free. You know, it would take, that's that's work. It would take a while. I think Dwayne ate that in a commercial break. Oh. Right? I mean, <laughs> what a gem. <laughs> or maybe two commercial breaks. And, you know, Dwayne's a guy that travels with a bag of meat. Uh, <laughs> he, he just does. That's just how he rolls. So uh, it didn't surprise me. But, oh, yeah, Dwayne just, cr- like, he crushed it in recess. So, uh, and I haven't tried it, but I'm intrigued. It looks like it looks like a challenge, and uh, yeah, especially during a commercial break, like that's full suit, and he's got to be on camera later. Like there, there wasn't any like mu- there was nothing on the suit. Like that's that's a, a, a pretty legit veteran in some hardcore eating. That's that's I impressive. I don't even think his hands were greasy. Wow, wow, what a what a beauty! Uh, and so are you, Farhan. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. We'll talk Good to you later. Time. Farhan Lalji has not tried the outrageous burger yet. Have you guys seen that? Whoo! Shock fanatic from Spokane, Washington, saying, "Yeah, that's uh, that was the the question for Farhan. That I, I there's a picture. I think it was on TSN.ca. They had the the in between commercial video of Dwayne Ford eating it, and it is just a beast. It's one of those burgers like you can't even open your mouth wide enough for it. It's it's crazy. It looks uh, it looks good, but that that West Division." 
I'll be interested to see, and I think when you look at the Calgary Stampeders, when it comes to kind of the halfway point, they are going to be a, make a post-Labor Day run. We've seen Bo Levi Mitchell make no-name wide receiver starts. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time with all those changes, but watch. Post-Labor Day, the regular season record may not be what we're used to out of the Stampeders, but I think they really make a push for it after and are going to be dangerous in the playoffs. We're going to step aside and come back with some CFL fantasy for your DraftKings lineup. We have our CFL Weekly DraftKings contest. We'll tell you how to enter that, as well as our TSN.ca CFL Weekly League. So fantasy tips with Ben Kramer from Daily Roto and CFL.ca next to wrap up CFL Weekly. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only $10.99 or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. CFL Weekly, Canada-wide, national, across the TSN radio network. Coming to you from the TSN 1050 Toronto studios. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter, uh, AndyMC81. On Instagram, AndyMCSports. And watch live. Jump in the chat room, too, on twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. Okay, folks, it's gotten hotter and hotter each year. You want the tips? You want the info? I got it for you. And I bring on my guy from Daily Roto and CFL.ca, CFL fantasy expert, Ben Kramer. Ben, how's it going, man? Doing good. How are you doing, Andy? Doing well, brother. Doing well. Uh, you know what? We've had, and we're going to post the link again, at Benjamin and at AndyMC81, the link to our DraftKings CFL Weekly Contest, our league, and the TSN.ca Fantasy League. Like, Ben, you, you're, you're managing the DraftKings one. It's filling up. We've had, we had to open up a second contest and filled up so quick, right? Yeah, it's filling up in less than a day for each one of these qualifiers for the year-end final in Week 18. So, yeah, people's interest is peaking. There's money to be won and good fun to be had. Absolutely. So you can check that out, DraftKings.com. And again, we'll we'll shoot out the link for you to uh, to join that league in the TSN.ca uh, league as well. So let's get to the quarterback situation. And we touched on it last week in the opener. But, Ben, when you look at, okay, Zach Caleros, he's out for six games. I don't think anyone's starting Cody Fajardo. Not to say you were going to really lean on Zach Caleros anyway, but that's just another starter out. Then you have, let's say, Dominique Davis in Ottawa. There's a bizarre one. In the TSN CFL game, he had three passing points, fantasy points, but 19 running because he ran in three touchdowns. If you look at, let's say, those two situations, uh, let's begin with Dominique Davis. Are you going with him? Because that seems like a real feast or famine choice. Yeah, it's absolutely a total boomer bust play. Like we saw last week, you could get four interceptions and very well not get any of those rushing touchdowns, especially against the Saskatchewan defense that's a little bit more stout against the run. So absolutely, he's a value because he's going to pop in the projections with the chance for rushing touchdowns, and he's only half the price of some of the other starting quarterbacks. But you're absolutely taking the chance that you could be low single-digit points if he doesn't get some of those rushing yards and points. And if you're looking at the Saskatchewan value plays, you've got Fajardo at 5000 and Harker at half the price yet at 2500 Realistically, 
Fajardo is starting, and Harker's probably going to see a fair bit of play time. My lean right now is that Harker's probably going to play a few more of the passing downs between the 20s, and Fajardo will probably run red zone offense if they manage to get themselves there. Neither of them are going to project well, but realistically, if somebody was looking for an absolute punt play, bare minimum price for 2500 for a quarterback that could get some time, he doesn't have to do a whole lot to produce value. Right, and then you can spend up. Elsewhere, right? That, that's right. What, if Brandon you, Banks at thirteen thousand dollars, right. spending a full thirty-year salary cap on that matchup, right? Exactly. Or you go with James Wilder Jr. Now yeah. that that at running back, you you add the Argos into the mix. They had the week off. Where do you put, let's say, a James Franklin in a new offense that's supposed to be more vertical, which means greater potential for points? Franklin's still um, a relative unknown as a starter now in a new system, and you couple that with James Wilder Jr., who we know can do, can do just about uh, everything. Where are you at with the, the Argonauts? Uh, we had a question on Twitter um, asking about that, and, and you were mentioning uh, Jarrell Walker as a big upside guy. Yeah, Franklin and Walker played a couple games together in Edmonton before both of them moved on to other places. And in their time together, I think they had three starts that Franklin had. And Walker had somewhere in the neighborhood of about seven catches a game for 120 yards and a touchdown on average. Those two certainly seem to know how to play well together in a small sample size. I think Toronto's really been lacking that big play threat that's a reliable top receiver in the last couple of seasons. And Walker is really going to have the opportunity to open up some of that for Franklin so he doesn't just have to run and put his shoulder down for fantasy points. Yeah, and with with going back to James Wilder, he is so dynamic and, and so versatile. That's, uh, that's somebody you can keep an eye on there. As well as C.J. Gable has been one of those guys. I don't know about you, Ben, but he has been so infuriating over the years for fantasy purposes because this is a guy who can go off, he was a performer of the week, and then just as easily be a total dud the following week. So I always find it difficult to to trust in C.J. Gable no matter who the opponent. He's that shade under, he's that tier three underneath Powell and Wilder. Where are you at kind of, if you're looking big picture for C.J. Gable on the year with a new quarterback that he's uh, working with in uh, Trevor Harris? I like him a lot this week. He's the top of my projections list as far as the actual math turns out. His Gable is probably going to get a fair bit of work in that Edmonton offense that ran, I believe, 70 plays last week, which is just absurd. The league right. average last year was 54 plays on offense in a game, and they had 70. I don't expect it to be nearly that high this week, but versus that BC defense that gave up a whole lot of yardage on the ground last week to Winnipeg, I think Gable has an opportunity to put up similar kind of numbers over 100 yards rushing and getting two or three catches out of the backfield with a chance for a touchdown again. So I like him quite a bit. The one that I struggle with most this week is probably Wilder with the five-headed monster they've created in the backfield in Toronto. At that price range, you really need Wilder to get 20 carries and a half dozen catches, and it's hard to believe if he's splitting the load with three or four other running backs that he's going to get near that kind of volume anymore. And that's the type of situation where you want to kind of wait and see, right? Like, see yeah. we see the first game, how it works. Even if you have all the bodies, if he goes off, then you can think, okay, maybe he'll continue the workload. But yeah, that's, that's almost... A wait-and-see approach, I think, when you're, when you're looking at Wilder in that backfield, right? Yeah, with all the player movement that went off this offseason, there was a whole lot of kind of wait-and-see positions. The trick is you're going to play every week nonetheless, and you have to pick somebody. So I would say if you're looking at Wilder, he's probably somebody you want to take a couple weeks and see what Toronto's doing with in their offense. But if you have a strong lean that you're seeing something in practice or in the headlines that the rest of us are missing, well, this is an opportunity to play the contrarian role and get on something early. 
That's right. In conversation with Ben Kramer from Daily Roto and CFL.ca. Folks, if you're looking for a great gift, maybe a groomsman gift, just something for yourself, check out UrbanBarrel.ca. I got mine, and I'm in the the uh, distilling process. So it's like a, it's a mini oak barrel where you can make your own cocktails, spirits. It can be bourbon, whiskey, rye, rum, tequila, whatever. Great recipes, and you can have it one, two liter, three liter, five, ten, as big as you want. Custom laser engraving on the front. So I got a McNamara family crest and have a, it's a very cool heirloom piece. Gave one to my dad. He loved it as well. And it's a hobby. It's a centerpiece. It's a talking point. And if you use promo code AndyTSN, AndyTSN at checkout, you get 15% off. Check it out. It's You have to actually see and read about it, this process, to believe how amazing it is. UrbanBarrel.ca. UrbanBarrel.ca. All right, Ben, let's get to uh, a couple sleepers here. Who are we liking sleeper time when it comes to either our DraftKings or uh, TSN.ca lineups? Yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher to yeah. find sleeper players on a six, on a three-game slate with only right. six teams to look at. But I'd say there are certainly some players that are still pretty dreadfully underpriced to where we expect their production to come out. All these Edmonton receivers, whether it's Collins or Stafford, both of them got over 10 targets this last game. And with DeVaris Daniels expected to still be out, they'll likely still have high-volume games. And on DraftKings, they're still in the mid-$5,000 range, which is pretty ridiculously low and on cfl tsn fantasy both of them are priced under five thousand making both pretty exceptional values and if you're looking on the other side of the ball lamar durant is still priced exceptionally low for what his volume is he's always been a high talent player but he rarely got much volume in calgary where he played the far field side wide receiver and only saw two or three targets a game he had eight this last week for BC, and if he's getting the kind of volume in that six to eight target range, he'll easily pay off his price tag at around $3,000 on CFL TSN and only around 4000 on DraftKings. Great stuff as always, man. And Ben, there's never enough time for all the CFL questions. We had a couple great questions on uh, twitch.tv slash Live and on Twitter. You can keep those coming at Ben Yemin and at AndyMC81. Also, we will tweet out from those accounts the link to join our DraftKings.com CFL Weekly League as well as our TSN.ca CFL Weekly League uh, there too. So keep an eye out for that. And again, any questions, myself and Ben are happy to answer them. Ben, thank you so much. Yeah, you bet, Andy. Great talking to you. All right. See you later, buddy. Yep. There he is, uh, Ben Kramer from Daily Roto and CFL.com. That'll do it, folks. Done already. Week two in the books. If you missed any of the show, get it on iTunes and your local radio station show page right under there. You'll scroll down. You'll see my smiling face. You can click on it and never miss an episode. Thank you very much. Delivered by Domino's. You've been listening to CFL Weekly.